0: said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Gary Kent. This morning I was out at Maroo where the Greater Sydney Conference camp meeting is being conducted out past Richmond, Windsor, out out that way. And it was just so magnificent out in the country. And I couldn't help, as I was driving back in uh, around lunchtime, thinking, we are lucky in this country, aren't we? And there's a reason why people call it the lucky country. And we are, I believe, privileged to be able to live here. And uh, I'm sure you'd agree that we are... Well, off those of us that live here, and uh, so most of us should be happy and we are content in the way that we, we live and the way that we conduct ourselves and, and all that is happened, ha- all that happens to us. Would that be right? No, not sure. I'm sure we we'll all agree that we live in the lucky country. Let's start there. All right. Well, I guess the, 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 you're, you're probably second guessing what I'm going to say. Let me share with you some statistics about people who live here in Australia. 50% of our marriages end in divorce, those of us who live in the lucky country. 30% of our children are born outside of marriage, those of us who live in the lucky country. Here's a sobering statistic. One in four or 25% of women here in the lucky country are victims of sexual or domestic violence. Isn't that frightening? That's alarming. There's a one in three. Okay, it's even worse than that. All right, um, let, me, let me continue. Someone attempts suicide every six hours here in Australia in the lucky country. of teens have trouble sleeping due to stress. Stress starts young. Teenagers, almost one in two. 30% of victims of violent crime are teenagers. Here in the lucky country. Let me continue. Aussies smoke 38 billion cigarettes a year. Here in the lucky country. 28% of Aussies admit to having an office affair. That's over a quarter percent of office workers of uh, of the workforce. Sexually transmitted diseases are rapidly increasing in the lucky country. 91% of Aussie adults feel stress in at least one important area of their lives. 90%. Of us feel, feel, 12% experience stress levels or, or levels of stress in the severe range. One in three Aussies experience depression. One in three. 10% of these are in the extreme range. One in four Aussies experience anxiety, and 9% of those are in the extreme range. You know, friends, it seems that no matter who we are, no matter where we live, we as human beings face challenges in life that trouble us, that cause us stress, that cause us anxiety, and that cause us depression. And the question is this, how should we deal with it? even in this wonderful country in Australia, even on a beautiful day like this, we still face challenges in life. How do we deal with them? Maybe we can learn some lessons from an ancient king. If ever there was someone who should have felt stressed, anxious and depressed, It was this king, King Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of the southern kingdom of Judah. You remember that the first king in Israel was who? Saul. Who was the second king? David. The third king? Solomon. After Solomon died, there was civil war or division in Israel. And it split into the northern kingdom, which continued to carry the name of Israel. And then there was a second kingdom, all Jews, all Hebrews, that took on the name of Judah, and they had it as their capital, Jerusalem. And so King Jehoshaphat, to put it into context, was the fourth king of the southern kingdom. So after the time of Solomon, He was the fourth king in the southern kingdom of Judah. And he ruled for 25 years. He ruled from 872 to 848 BC. He was a good king. He served the Lord faithfully. However, in the third year of his reign... He sent princes and Levites and priests. They went throughout the land of Judah to teach the people the principles of the law of God. And so he wanted to to train the people, to instruct the people to follow the Lord. He wanted them to have a relationship with their God. And it was a, a national program. He wanted it to go right throughout the land of Judah. But then towards the end of his reign something terrible happened. He received the most devastating alarming news. Listen to what the Bible says in 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 1. It happened After this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. So here you have this good king who serves the Lord. Can you imagine the stress and tension when he receives this news? There's a coalition of enemies that are attacking Israel. There's the Moabites. There's the Ammonites. And then thirdly, there are others which we find out later in the passage are the Edomites. These are the people who live around Petra, modern day Petra. We we know it today. So here they are. Now, let me give you an idea of where they came from. Here you have Judah, the kingdom of Judah. There is the kingdom of Israel. Remember, they split after which king, after the reign of which king? After Solomon's time, they split into, into two entities, Israel and Judah. So there we see Judah now attacking them, Are uh, the Ammonites, the Moabites and the Edomites. So here he is with his small nation, small army, small resources, and he's got this massive coalition on the way to attack him. Listen to what Scripture says. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. So they'd already come around the, the, uh, the, the, the Dead Sea. They were alre- the enemy were already in his territory. This is devastating news. Can you imagine the, the stress, the, the anxiety, the depression that comes with knowing that they're under attack? Severe attack, serious attack. And the question, of course, is what could he do? Here is a king who is afraid Here is a king in fact, who is helpless, who is petrified and wondering what he should do, stressed out of his brain. I want you to know what he does. I want you to notice what he does. The first thing he does when he receives this stressful, alarming, terrible news, Jehoshaphat prays in private. He takes the problem to the Lord in prayer on the personal level. I imagine he found a a quiet place in the palace and there he gets down on on his knees and he prays to the Lord. Having done that, he calls on the people, all the people of Judah, to fast. Listen to what Scripture says. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a what? A fast throughout all Judah, right throughout the land. And after doing that, he then sends out a message from one end of the country to the other and he calls the people to come to Jerusalem. Now, why do you think he wanted to call them to Jerusalem? Do you think he wanted to arm them? Did he want to train them in the use of modern weaponry, the modern weaponry of the time? Friends, he calls everybody in the kingdom Down to the capital, he gathers the people together for corporate prayer. Listen, so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And his prayer is recorded there in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verses 6 through 12. You can read the prayer there. And we're going to read it together this afternoon. The first thing he does in his prayer is he reminds the people of God's power. Listen to what he says. He reminds the people of God's power. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God in heaven? kingdoms and nations. So here, do you you get the picture? He is identifying this God to whom they are praying. Yahweh, the one and only true God, a powerful God. And so he says, are you not God in heaven, kingdoms of the nations, and in your hand, Is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? And so here at the very start, the commencement of his prayer, he reminds the people of God's power. And then he reminds the people of God's power in the past. Specific instances where God's power is on display. Listen to what he says. Are you not our God? Isn't that great? This great, powerful God. Aren't you our God, Lord? And he goes on and he says, Who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your what? Your friend for how long? Forever. And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it. For your name. So he's saying, Lord, we know that you're a powerful God. We've experienced that power. We have seen your hand in action. That is our heritage. You are a powerful God. And it is your power that provided this land for us. And he says, In this land we now live. And here we have built you a sanctuary a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sore judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple. We will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. So here's his prayer. He reminds the people that we serve a powerful God. And then he says, and here's the evidence. Remember, don't forget this. Here's the evidence that our God is a powerful God. He's provided this land for us. We have built a temple here and we have said that in times of trouble, when disaster comes upon us, whether it be the disaster of the sword, whether it be pestilence or famine, judgment, whatever it is, we will come and stand before this temple. We will stand before this temple and in your presence cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and you will save. And then after reminding the people of God's power and His protection in the past, Jehoshaphat spreads out the problem before the Lord. So friends, notice the progression of his prayer. First, he prays to the powerful God, the all-powerful God. He then reminds himself and his people of the way this all-powerful God has demonstrated his power on their behalf in the past. And then having done that, he reminds them that they've built a temple to Yahweh. And that in times of trouble, they come before this temple to worship this God who will hear their prayer and will save. And now he's ready to lay out the problem before the Lord. First, he outlines the extent of the problem. Listen to what he says. Then he expresses his own feeling of injustice. Let's notice it together. And now he says, here's the problem. Here are the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir. And then he expresses his frustration because he says, those people at Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. So he said, Lord, remember, Remember when we were coming through in the exodus and you said not destroy them. And we didn't. We didn't. But here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. And so remember the time of the exodus, the children of Israel making their way down here through the, the, the Sinai Peninsula. They come to, um, to, to, to the sacred mountain Horeb and then where they receive the Ten Commandments here at Mount Sinai. And then they head up here. They make a bit of a detour here. And then as they're coming through here, as they're passing through the land of the Edomites, you may remember that the Edomites attract, attacked the stragglers in the group. Imagine, here's maybe as many as a million or more people traveling in a in, in a group. Can you imagine that many people traveling together with all their gear, with all their goods and, and their livestock? And as they traveled, the Edomites attacked the stragglers. And you remember they wanted to they wanted to defend themselves and and take action against the Edomites. But the Lord said, no, leave them alone. And so they leave the Edomites alone. But now Jehoshaphat is saying, Lord, what's happening here? How unfair is this? You told us to leave them alone, which we did. And now look how they reward us. Here they are, part of this coalition that's coming to attack us. And then he concludes his prayer by frankly admitting his utter helplessness. He admits his utter helplessness and then he asks God for help. Listen to what he says. O our God, Will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Now I love this next section. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are where? Our eyes are upon you. Lord, we've got no hope. We have no answer to this problem that we're facing. This huge dilemma that's stressing us out, that's calling us causing us anxiety, this 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 problem that, that's depressing us all. We don't know how to deal with it. We've got no answer, Lord. But our eyes are upon you. There's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. We are helpless when it comes to solving this problem. We are helpless. But our eyes are on You. You are the powerful God. We've seen You in action in the past. We have nowhere else to turn. We can't do it ourselves. No one else is going to help us. It's You and You alone, Lord. Our eyes are upon You. I love that last section. But our eyes are upon You. You see, friends, when we take our eyes... Of ourselves. And we come to God to deal with our problems. We have a right to claim what God has promised. But how do we face our problems? Let's be honest. We tend to have confidence in our own ability to solve most problems. Isn't that right? Sure we do. We're educated. We've got a good Medicare program in this country of ours. And so we tend, it seems to be human nature, maybe it's a a pride and ego thing, but we want to handle things ourselves. Do, Do we not? We want to look after this issue ourselves. We can manage. And so we set about solving the problem ourselves and we try this and we try that and then we'll try something else and then we'll find help from somebody else. And it's only when we hit rock bottom. Ah, maybe I should pray about this. Friends, maybe we should turn our order of priorities and the way we deal with our our problems and our stresses and our tensions, maybe we should turn it upside down. And maybe we should start by saying, Lord, our eyes are upon you. And Lord, we're facing this problem. We come to you for help. And so we see here, Jehoshaphat takes his eyes and the eyes of the people off themselves. Lord, we're helpless. There's no way we can deal with this. You are our God. He started his prayer. You are a powerful God and we've seen evidences of your power on our behalf. We are helpless. There's nothing we can do. But our eyes are upon you. And then the answer to the prayer comes through Jehaziel the prophet. Listen to what happens. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. So here he stands up and he says, All right, all of you out there, all of you from Judah. And even you, King Jehoshaphat. He goes on and he says, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Don't be stressed about this. Don't be anxious because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but whose? It's God's. Why was it God's battle? It was God's battle, my friends, because they gave the battle to God. They couldn't deal with it themselves. And so they said, Lord, we can't handle this. The stress, the tension, the anxiety, we can't. We're beside ourselves with fear. But you are our God and you are a powerful God and our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are are upon you. And now the prophet says, you don't need to be afraid anymore. It's not your battle. It's the Lord's battle. And friends, how many of us are fighting battles that should not be ours? Listen to what happens. Tomorrow, Go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you'll find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. So now come the instructions. All right, here you are. Go down against them tomorrow. They will come up. So the Lord even said, this is what's going to happen. This is where they're going to come up. They'll come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you'll find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. But listen to what he says next. You will not need to fight this battle. Why not? Because the battle is whose? The Lords. The battle is the Lords. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves. You know You know what they're being told here? Get a good vantage point, because you're going to be spectators of something very special. So position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand still. We get in such a fluster at times. If you're like me, when problems arise, man, we get, we get tense, we get anxious, we get stressed out. Uh, we're just a, a mess running here, running there. Lord says, It's my battle. You just stand still. I'll deal with this. Just calm down. Calm down. The battle is the Lord's. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. How beautiful is that? Jehoshaphat put his faith and trust in the Lord and he followed the instructions that were given. Listen to what happens. So they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Tekoa. And as they went out, stood and said so. Here they are the next morning now. They're following the, following the instructions. They're going out as the Lord told them, how the Lord told them, and where the Lord told them. Now the king stands before the people and he says, Hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe believe his prophets and you shall prosper. So Jehoshaphat demonstrates then his faith in the Lord in truly the most remarkable way. You know, in these days, when armies went into battle, they took with them a choir and a band. They usually followed along at the back of the army. And the main reason they accompanied the army was so that when the army had a victory, they would play the victory song and everyone would join in. You know, something like, the. have you noticed the football teams have a, have a victory song? I don't know. You might have seen after the, after the match, they run into the, into the dressing room. And there they, you'll often see them singing their victory song. It's nothing new. The armies back then had a choir and a band. An orchestra. And they went into battle with them. So that when they had a victory, well, then they would sing their victory song. But this is what Jehoshaphat did. And just try to imagine the faith that is showing here. He says to the choir and the, and the band, the orchestra, he said, I don't want you at the back of the army. You come right down the front here. I want you at the front of the army. And you know the victory song, don't you? He said, I don't want you to wait until after the battle to sing the victory song. This is the Lord's battle. He's going to fight it and he's going to give us the victory. I want you to sing the victory song before we even get there. (laughs) How's that for faith? And so he had the choir sing the victory song before the battle was fought. Listen. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before, you notice, before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Notice what Scripture says. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, So here they are, they're going into battle, they're singing the victory song before they even start the battle. Now, when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, uh, to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of, of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So that when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude. So here they come. They are doing what the Lord tells them to do. They get to the vantage point where they can see this great army that's coming against them. But notice what happens. They looked toward the multitude and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. So what do we learn from this? Those of us who live in a stressful environment, even here in the lucky country, how do we deal with our problems How do we deal with these things that cause our stress and and tension and, and anxiety? Well, first, don't dwell on the problem. Do you notice what Jehoshaphat does? He doesn't dwell on the problem, but rather on God's power. Friend, do you think that God is able to deal with the problem you are facing? Whatever it might be. I mean, imagine, imagine the, the, the fear that Jehoshaphat must have experienced and felt when he gets news that this huge army, not just one nation, but three nations are coming against him. But rather than focusing on the problem and stressing out, he focuses on God's power. Friends, that's what we need to do. No matter what our problem is, no matter what challenge we are facing, we need to remind ourselves that our God is a powerful God. A powerful God. And then we need to remember how God has answered our prayers in the past. I'm sure if I just paused here and began to speak to each and every one of you here and it'd be a long it has to be a long pause but i'm sure that each of you could tell of an experience where god has answered your prayers correct every one of us here could recall a time when god has answered our prayers so we need to remember how God has answered our prayers in the past. And friends, if he's answered our prayers in the past, let me assure you, he can certainly answer them here in the present. No matter what the problem is. And then we need to spread the problem before God. And we need to tell him how we feel about it. Remember Jehoshaphat? Lord, here they come, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Edomites. Lord, even the Edomites. Remember, we wanted to deal with them a long time ago. But you said, no, leave them alone. Spare them. And Lord, we spared them. We did what you said. And now look, how are they rewarding us? They're part of this coalition that's coming to destroy us, to annihilate us. Do you notice he... Listen, friends, God is a God of love. He wants to be our friend. He wants us to have a a relationship with Him. He wants us to tell Him exactly how we feel. And even if we're frustrated, and even if we feel that things aren't fair, we can tell Him about it. He wants to hear. We can lay the problem before him and explain it all to him exactly as Jehoshaphat did. And Then, friends, and this is hard to do, we need to admit our helplessness and ask for God's help. It's hard to do because we always want to do it ourselves. We're raised that way, aren't we? Problem, oh, I can deal with that. That's why we're stressed, friends. That's why we're anxious. That's why we're so tense. So we admit our helplessness and we ask for God's help. And then do you think it would be right to begin to praise and thank God by faith? Believing that he is already at work in this situation? Do you think it's, it's, it's not being presumptuous to say the Lord has already got this matter under control? That's what Jehoshaphat did. Believe that God is already at work in the situation, even if it seems as bad as ever. Say, praise the Lord for his love is eternal. Friends, we need to take our stresses, our anxieties, our challenges, our problems to the Lord and leave them with Him. Let the battle be the Lord's. And let's ask that His will be done. When we place the matter in the Lord's hands, we say, Lord, you see the end from the beginning. You know what is best. I simply leave this matter with you. May your will be done. May your will be done. The Almighty God, this all-powerful God, is also the all-knowing God. We always know best though, don't we? We know what's best for me. And so we think that The problem should be handled this way or or that way. This is how I would do it. And sometimes even in our prayers, we tell the Lord how to go about His business, don't we? We serve an all-powerful God, an all-knowing God. And friends, this all-powerful, all-knowing God loves you. He loves me. And He wants what's best for us. We need to put our problems before Him. And friends, as we do that, we will recognize that we don't have to be stressed over the challenges we face. We don't have to be anxious over the challenges that lie before us because the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And friends, this afternoon I want to invite you to determine in your heart that you are going to let the Lord handle the big issues in life. The ones that are causing you the stress and the tensions and the anxieties. And I know that every one of us here face our challenges. We come from different backgrounds, from different cultures. We face different challenges, therefore. We come from different walks of life. I wonder how many careers would be on display here this afternoon. We work in different places, in different fields. But no, no matter what, friends, we all face challenges. And God is saying, I am your God. I'm an all-powerful God. Listen, the battles that you are facing, they are my battles. You don't need to worry about this and stressed out and make yourself anxious and, and sick and ill. Friends, I want to invite you this afternoon to put your faith and your trust in the Lord because the battle is the Lord's. God bless Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we serve a powerful God, an all-knowing God, a God who is present everywhere, but above all, Lord, we are thankful that we serve a God who is love, and Father, you have expressed your love for us most clearly and most wonderfully on Calvary's cross. And Lord, when we see the lengths you have gone to in order to secure our salvation, we know that you love us. We know that you will care for us, protect us and provide for us. And so, Lord, we come before you today to commit our challenges and our battles to you, knowing that the battle is not ours, but the battle is now the Lord's. And Father, as we stand before you, you know us by name. You know each one of us and the challenges and the battles that we personally face in our lives. You know them all, Lord. Today I want to commit them to you. And Father, may we let go of our own battles and hand them over to you. And I pray, Lord, that you will take them and that you will provide us the victory that we seek. Lord, bless each one standing before you now, I pray. Keep each one of us true and faithful to you. And when Jesus comes as King of kings and Lord of lords, may each one of us here be found ready and waiting to meet him, for this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was made available by Fountain in the City. For more resources like this, visit fountaininthecity.com.au.
1: Belongs to the Lord, and we sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. When the power of darkness comes in like a flood, the battle belongs to the Lord. He's raised up the standard, the power of His blood. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. When your enemy presses it hard, do not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord Take courage, my friend Your redemption is near The battle belongs to the Lord And we sing glory Honor Power and strength to the Lord We sing glory Honor Power and strength to the Lord And we sing glory
2: Halal music with the song The Battle Belongs to the Lord Coming up next, Fountain View Academy will now sing Onward Christian Soldiers
1: We are friends. Tra-
2: This story is entitled, Dawn of a New Day. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 7 to 8 says, The Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Listen. Be faithful in the face of hardship and discouragement and God will grant a most wonderful experience. Difficulties will arise that will try your faith and patience. Face them bravely. Look on the bright side. If the work is hindered, be sure that it is not your fault and then go forward rejoicing in the Lord. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 7, page 244. Those who work for God will meet with discouragement, but the promise is always theirs. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Matthew 28, verse 20. God will give a most wonderful experience to those who will say, I believe thy promise. I will not fail nor become discouraged. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 6, page 335. It was a cold, rainy day and the wind was not helping. As the time drew nearer for the van to pick me up from canvassing, I began having a debate in my mind. Should I call it a day? Should I just walk a little slower? and get picked up faster so I can warm up inside the van? It wouldn't be too bad, I reasoned in my mind. After all, my pants and socks were soaked from the first part of the day. The fact that I was freezing made every part of my emotions pull towards getting inside the van and calling it quits. Nevertheless, I prayed and decided to go all the way. There was not much time left on the clock anyway. Let me be faithful to the end, for indeed the Lord has promised to be with me. Praying in my heart for a divine appointment, I pushed forward. I rang the doorbell of what I perceived would be my last home. No one came at first, but finally a young woman cracked the door and asked, Can I help you? I proceeded with my canvas, but she was not interested. At this point, I glanced at her ear and noticed she didn't have earrings on, and for some reason, I thought it was an opportunity to ask if she was a Christian. Sure enough, she was Pentecostal, and because of my question, it gave more time for me at the door. Finally, she said, "'Can I at least offer you something to drink?' With this, she invited me in. Continuing my conversation on her being a Christian, out of nowhere, she begins to tell me about a problem that has been perplexing her. She told me her sister went to an Adventist university and had been learning so much. She then grabbed her Bible, opened it, and pulled out a small tract. The subject read, Sabbath or Sunday? She continued by saying that her mother-in-law is a current Adventist and was the one who gave her the tract. At that point, she had no idea that an Adventist literature evangelist was in her home. The topic had not even come up. She continued telling me how she continually saw Sabbath in the Bible and not Sunday and was very confused. I then looked up at her and said, "'I am a Seventh-day Adventist.' She was dumbfounded. She just could not believe it. I then took the great controversy, placed it in her hands and told her it would clear up all the confusion. She grabbed my hand, looked me in the eye and said, "'You are the answer to my prayer.' Four days ago, December 26, 2013, "'I knelt down at my bed in desperation "'and asked God to send me someone or a sign "'to explain this issue and what I was supposed to do. "'Then you showed up,' she said. "'At this point, I was praising God "'because I realised what was taking place. "'I quickly glanced across the room "'and saw a big family Bible, "'the kind that the big bookers sell.' I had mega books, but was very familiar with the big books. I had stored that into my memory for a later time. I took her information down and we exchanged contacts. I texted her the next day and told her to look in the back of that big family Bible for the question and answer section. Of course, I knew there was a section on the Sabbath back there, and by the grace of God... She and her family came to church the next Sabbath. What was so thrilling for me was hearing her testimony from her point of view as she shared it with the church members. She said that she had watched the Bible series on the History Channel and her favourite was the story of Lot in Sodom. What was funny is that she said she invited me in because I looked like the angel that came to Lot in the movie. Here I saw a spiritual lesson, because just as Lot showed hospitality to the angels and received the warning, this woman, by her hospitality, received the warning about the deception of Sunday and answers to her questions. She said, Had I not pointed out the questions and answers in the back of her Bible, she would have never dreamed of looking there. Her doubts had been silenced and her questions had been answered about the Sabbath. She also expressed that the night I was there, she stayed awake until 3 a.m. reading the Great Controversy and how the change of the Sabbath to Sunday took place in history. She is currently taking Bible studies and by the grace of God will soon be baptised. This was the dawn of a new day for this family. Not only them, but also the night of cold and dampness turned into a new day filled with joy and rejoicing for me as one more family was brought to the Lord. A reflection associated with this story comes from Christ's Object Lessons, page 237. We are living in a time when the last message of mercy, the last invitation, is sounding to the children of men. The command, go out into the highways and hedges, is reaching its final fulfillment. To every soul, Christ's invitation will be given. The messengers are saying, come, for all things are now ready. Heavenly angels are still working in cooperation with human agencies. The Holy Spirit is presenting every inducement to constrain you to come. Christ is watching for some sign that will betoken the removing of the bolts and the opening of the door of your heart for His entrance. Angels are waiting to bear the tidings to heaven that another lost sinner has been found. The hosts of heaven are waiting, ready to strike their harps and to sing a song of rejoicing that another soul has accepted the invitation to the gospel feast. Dawn of a New Day was written by Ramon Gibbs, a Washita Hills College student.
0: You've been listening to the book reading program by 3ABN Australia Radio featuring Get Ready for a Miracle, For more information about this book, visit remnantpublications.com.
1: This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.